Happy Tuesday, the 27th, 2022. It's hard to believe that another year has come and went. Um, I want to welcome you to the podcast. I am Andrew, and I am a semi-professional coffee roaster. I have my own startup business, Roasting Coffee, and I thought it would be a good opportunity to talk about not only my business, but also the, the joys of home roasting and just all the inside outs of coffee that you may or may not be aware of. So first, a little bit about me. I first became interested in coffee, probably uh, the legend goes that I was two years old, and my grandfather gave me a little bit of, of coffee in my bottle. That's at least how my parents tell me. Ever since then, I uh, have liked coffee. I've drinking coffee for my entire life since then. Um, but in 2015, when I was on an internship to Kansas City, I had a great friend of mine. His name's Ruben. Shout out to Ruben. He was definitely into one of those kind of hipster culture of, of this kind of underground of coffee that was this new wave of coffee that was far superior than those fancy you know, drinks from those the second wave coffee, you know, like Starbucks or Scooters or something like that. Um, but it, it unveiled to me just completely different way of thinking about coffee and how it's made, the conscientiousness of where beans come from, the relationship between farmers and roasters and everyone else involved in that process. So what was kind of captivating to me was also the, the cafe culture that – was encapsulated within all of these, all of these, these ways of making coffee. And while I I was on my internship in 2015, during the weekends or times that we had available, uh, Ruben and I would explore and, and go to wonderful places in Kansas City. And there's such such a a, a, a coffee culture there that just really blew my mind. And just how tasty and amazing the, this coffee was just was unlike I had ever experienced before. In fact, I pretty much was a cream-only person and would, you know, sometimes put sugar in it, and I just did not like black coffee because it was tasteless or too bitter or just, you know, didn't smell great, etc. But through, I think it was definitely Ruben who introduced me to pour over, he had his own beans, he had this little hand grinder, he had this little heater that he did, like, right before our, one of our intern sessions one day, and he offered me coffee, and I was just like, Whoa! This is kind of the best coffee I've ever had. And so that that was what really was the, the catalyst to launching me into exploring coffee with him and then on my own. And so some of you who aren't familiar with Kansas City, the biggest uh, one from kind of the most commercialized, I would say, would be the roastery. And the roastery has a big operation. They, they ship all over the world. They're stocked in supermarkets, really big supermarkets around here, and you can get it pretty much anywhere. A lot of local restaurants serve roastery coffee as well. Um, but there are also, again, probably 50 or even 100 or so more of little coffee shops that roast their own beans and, and do their own thing. So I was really enamored by the roastery, especially in the ability for them to ship the coffee to back in New York where I was living. And so uh, I was living with my parents at the time, and I was able to convince them to to have a subscription and to, and to buy coffee from the roastery. And so we did this for several months, uh, probably almost you know half the year, six months. We came back in like August or whatever, and it was early, early in the next year. And then I kind of got the inkling of, well, what if we 
looked into roasting your own coffee because I saw some ads or was thinking about how does one roast coffee and is it possible to roast it at home? And sure enough, it is. And so beginning of, of, of late 2015, early 2016, dove into our adventure of roasting our own beans. And in fact, we bought a little small roaster. It was like a a Norelco or or a Norco, I really don't really remember what it's called, but it was a little tabletop roaster that actually had a catalytic converter in it so that, you know, you wouldn't give yourself carbon monoxide poisoning. But you could buy beans, um, and then you could get them wherever you wanted from all over the world, Ethiopia, uh, Kenya, anywhere in Central America, Guatemala, Mexico, and you name it, they had it. And that was just amazing to me that you could order these beans and you could roast them and that's kind of the start of the legend and ever since then I've been roasting beans on my own and and with help with family members too but pretty much I have been mastering the craft through reading up on on coffee coffee climate coffee culture how to roast beans how to know when they're ready the differences in temperature humidity and how that affects the roast quality and all that and so now that was back in 2015. Fast forward, goodness, nearly eight years, and I have established a coffee startup called Skyline Coffee KC. And my goal, if not dream, is to make you know people more coffee aware, but also to grow my grow my business, grow my passion, to create cafe spaces where people can share ideas and share wonderful um, just just time with each other because. Coffee creates great places for friendships, dates, the exchange of ideas, and, and also creates a safe place, a, a third place for people to to explore, to, to take a load off, to find new community, to to re- recharge, revamp. I, it's kind of funny because I myself personally am more of an introverted person and often would, would, would feign to, you know, staying home or just watching a movie or just reading a book, really. But once I discovered the, the kind of cafe culture, I found that even though I was perhaps more introverted, I was able to you know, order my coffee, be at a coffee shop for hours on end, do some work or study or read or whatever I needed to do, and felt like I was being recharged because I wasn't necessarily actively having to engage in conversation. But if I wanted to, I could talk to the barista or, or say hello to people next to me, and it wasn't something that was completely alien to me. But I was more comfortable with it, and it kind of grew my confidence. So the beautiful thing about cafe culture is that all walks of life are supported there. And it doesn't matter you know, if you're super extroverted or super introverted. There is a, 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 honestly a place for you there. And people pick up on, on your vibes pretty easily and, and kind of see if you want to talk it or not. And they respect that. And that's kind of a really cool thing too is that the cafe culture, at least the, the, the kind of hipster quote-unquote – Cat, you know, cafes I've been to, they respect you. They're they're eclectic. They're diverse. They don't bother you. They're they're really informative and also just everyday people working to to make a living or to make some extra cash. And so I really appreciate them. And now uh, I kind of want to start in talking about the very very basics of coffee roasting. It's like okay, so you roast coffee. Where in the world do you get your beans from? And let's start with a little bit about the coffee cherry because you might have heard of cascara cascara syrup and the cascara or is the coffee cherry and it grows from the coffee tree now coffee trees 
are native to Africa, specifically uh, Ethiopia, Middle East. And they were, once they discovered that they produce this wonderful magic elixir known as caffeine, they became more and more widespread through the, the Colombian exchange, things like this. So legend has it that the first coffee tree was discovered after a farmer discovered that their goats were acting bizarre after eating some cherries from a tree. Bizarre meaning that the, the goats were literally bouncing off the walls and, and, and being very, very hyper. And once the farmers discovered that they were eating these cherries, they tried them for themselves and also noticed a similar effect of, of high energy and seeming to be very focused and all this sort of thing. And the rest is history, but you know, through, through selective breeding and, and farming, it came to realize that the pit of the coffee cherry was where the majority of the caffeine was housed and through experimentation and and either accident or whatever the coffee seed or coffee bean is what we now use today and grind it mix it with water and create the magic elixir that is known as coffee now green beans are grown all over the world from coffee plantains plantations um, to small operations, small one-family operations, they, and, and they form co-ops. In fact, the largest coffee-producing country in the world is Brazil. Brazil, in fact, produces the most coffee throughout the world, and oftentimes the coffee that comes from Brazil is often the cheapest because they have the biggest market and the, and the biggest availability for it to, to, to sell. Personally, my favorite coffee is Ethiopian coffee or Kenyan coffees, I just find that their roasts are more fruity, maybe a little bit more acidic, but just have this wonderful, wonderful overall quality to it that just tastes like nothing you ever had. Like it does not compare to Central American coffees. But that's not to say that Central American coffees are bad. I just have my, my preferred taste profiles. And that's what I recommend with you if you're getting into craft coffee for the first time is to really kind of explore the, the different sort of coffees from all over the world. Literally, you have coffees from Asia, India, Africa, Hawaii even. Hawaii grows their own coffee. Hawaii Blue Mountain Coffee is, is, is premium, premium produce, so to speak. It is really delicious. It's very, very expensive, nearly $20 a pound green. So that would mean almost $50 a pound for roasted, roasted Hawaiian Blue Mountain Coffee. I haven't bought any to sell with a Skyline Coffee KC yet, but it might be a special I run later down the road because it's again as I said it's it's premium, it's it's highly sought after, and it is it is one of the, kind of the best coffees grown because it's it's volcanic. So it's it's maybe more of it. It's kind of not gimmicky so to speak, but it definitely has the the goings of it. Oh, it's volcano coffee, so it makes it extra special. Actually, in fact, um, I'll do a little bit more episode about this, but in, in like odd coffees and different variations of coffee, there's actually uh, some coffee in, I believe it's Asia, Nepal, I think, I'm, I don't quite remember, but where the monkeys will eat the coffee cherries and then they will defecate the coffee seeds, and this is actually known to be quite uh, the the lucrative business because they can charge tons of money um, for this coffee, basically poop coffee that's collected from the feces of these monkeys and then roasted and then sold. 
So apparently the, the digestive tract of the of the monkey makes makes these beans like extra extra wonderful because fermented for a little bit and it makes it really tasty. I personally have never tried it. I don't know if I would try it. Maybe one time. I can't never say never. It'd be honestly really really interesting to be honest. Yeah. So back back to coffee. So. As I said, coffee grows on trees, literally cherries. These cherries are harvested. They are then, you know, put through different processes. There are different kinds. There's washed. There's fermented. There, there is dried. Um, you, if you go to a coffee shop, they'll often tell you how the beans are processed. Um, sometimes they call it honey processing, which means that the, the coffee cherry was left to, to kind of be exposed for a little bit and then they wash it off or they, they, they peel it off. It really depends upon the choice of the farmer and, and the producer. Personally, I, I like the, the honey coffees, the, the dry coffees. Wash is good as well, but often I, t I feel that if it lets be fermented with the cherry in the pit a little longer, then you have some more of that extra flavor that kind of transposes itself into the coffee seed and into the bean. And so after this is done, the coffee is then dried, of course, and then once it's completely dry, it's put into bags, into either big warehouses, or again, if it's a small family operation, they'll have, again, a shed or something where they keep the, the coffee, and then they'll transport it to market, which could be in a bigger city or a trading sort of location where they then can be able to export it internationally. Because oftentimes coffees are more exports than imports, especially in, in countries like Brazil where there's coffee everywhere. So you don't really necessarily need to buy lots of coffee. It's highly available. But in the United States, the only place we grow coffee is in Hawaii. And since it's kind of actually expensive to buy from Hawaii, we import our coffee from all over the world which, you know, especially Central America, I feel like that's probably the majority of our of our coffee supplies from places like Guatemala, Colombia. Colombia is a big one at the big box stores. You'll often see a Colombian Supremo, and that is marketed as being top quality, top notch, that sort of thing. Brazilian is very common as well. Um, uh, again, personally, more and more as time has gone on, you're able to see these these big box coffee chains like Folgers, for example, able to to reel in, oh, this is Guatemalan, this is Colombian, etc., etc. But my focus is going to be primarily on the smaller coffee operations, smaller, um, more, more localized, more specialized coffee. And so what once it's gone to market, again, people can then ha buy directly from either the farmers or these, these kind of co-ops, so to speak. People can literally have gone to the countries, talked to farmers, talked to these co-ops, and, and su successfully bought beans from them and then have an ongoing relationship with, with these farmers, which is good because it supports them. It gives, them, it gives the farmers a financial security and also provides a, 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 a product that is completely um, consistent given that the growing season has been consistent and there hasn't been anything altered with how, how it's being grown. But this way it is good for both the, the, the grower and the processor and coffee roaster to have consistency. Now, um, after it has been, again, bought and produced, the coffee roaster is then able to decide, okay, I can use different methods of roasting. 
Now, very traditionally, the, the kind of most ancient, so to speak, form of roasting is through, honestly, through fire, through a pan and fire or through having some sort of ceramic uh, vessel, putting the beans in there, letting them cook almost like popcorn and letting them cook to what is called the first crack. The first crack is when the coffee is considered edible, um, the aromas have set in, and this would be a light roast. So the darker the coffee, the further on the crack goes. In fact, there are two cracks, and anything past the second crack is very dark. It is uh, very stronger in flavors. The, 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 the lighter, more acidic flavors in the light roast are muted by the darker, chocolatey, nutty flavors in, in dark roast. Personally, I I enjoy lighter roasts. I feel that they're more delicate. They're a little more tricky to to have a good cup to roast that way, and that's why I feel. And also, perhaps they they require more of a of of a educated palate. Not to say that people who enjoy medium or darker co- coffees aren't educated, but it does take some time to kind of get acquainted with it. Um, medium and darker coffees are a little bit easier to roast in bulk, so to speak, because the consistency will be there. And if it's if you go a little bit too longer, then that's okay. You can mark it as dark as opposed to medium. But it's also easier to just roast tons of coffee without having to necessarily have a lot of focus on what you're roasting. Therefore, I, again, prefer to roast dark, or I don't prefer to roast dark. I prefer to roast light to medium. If someone's buying from me and they want dark coffee, I will do it for them. I'll look up kind of the the recommendations on the coffee supplier that I use that they do for for the for the roasting. Because sometimes coffee, the recommendations will be medium to dark and not light at all. I personally will try the light roast on every single bean I have, and if I find that, ugh, so I'll, I will uh, definitely roast it a little bit more medium than I usually do, because sometimes that does bring out the flavors better than having just a strictly light roast. Well, I really hope you enjoyed this kind of getting to know coffee a little bit more. I hope to be doing at least weekly episodes and to be talking about coffee and to talking about my my adventure in the coffee exploration, how I got to where I am and my dreams and aspirations of growing my Skyline Coffee KC and to developing a positive cafe culture in the KC area. Thank you very much. This has been Andrew with Skyline Coffee KC Coffee Chat.